Well, last Sunday, we started a new talk series in the book of Ephesians, and around here we have programs, and in those programs we have notes, you're going to want to pull those out, and then about every other chair or so, there's a group of pens, grab those. If you didn't get one, ushers are on the side, just raise your hand, don't be shy, and uh, they'll run either a program or a pen to you so you can follow along. But we're talking about secrets of the super rich, and Paul wrote this letter to all the followers who are indescribably rich, followers of Jesus. And so let's just jump right into the passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms. Those word words, heavenly realms, these words were loaded with meaning. And here's why they're so important. In the city of Ephesus, in which Paul wrote this letter to, uh, there was a lot of superstition in that community. They lived every day with an overwhelming fear of the demonic. Uh, the people there lived believing that the very air that surrounded them, the heavenlies, were filled with demon forces. They believed that the atmosphere was thick, like a dark blanket of demons over the city, and it was so, so thick that you could poke a pin through it. They lived every day with this uh, constant paranoia of the heavenlies or the supernatural. So when Paul starts this letter off with these words, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, it got their immediate attention. He's like declaring a new revelation, a new way of looking at the heavenlies, that there's this new source of authority. Now that you've received Jesus Christ into your heart, there's this new source of authority that they did not know that they possessed through their relationship with Jesus Christ. He's sharing a whole new way of seeing their city and what a relationship with God actually looks like. So the reason for the oppressive spiritual environment in Ephesus was the people worshiped the goddess Artemis. And uh, here's a picture of her. Kind of disturbing, isn't it? <laughs> to say the least. Uh, she wore a crown because she was the uh, ruling spiritual entity. She was seen as the protector of their city, and they were devoted to her. Around her neck are, uh, it's hard to see, but there are symbols and arrows because she was the goddess of the hunt. So if you wanted dinner that night and you were going to go out hunting and you wanted food for your family, you had to first go to her and sacrifice so that your hunt would be successful. Her breasts, well, there's a lot of them. What can I say, right? Uh, she was the goddess of fertility. And if you wanted kids, then you would go to her and you would sacrifice to her and see if she would give you kids. On her legs, going down her legs, it's very disturbing are images of the gods of the underworld. She was considered the goddess of the demons of the air in the heavenlies over Ephesus. 
And we're going to get more into that when we get into Ephesians chapter 6. It's going to really come alive to you. On her front legs, going down her front legs, are all these small, uh, kind of demonic-looking small creatures. She was known as the protector of small animals, which is really ironic because she's the goddess of the hunt who would give you blessing to go kill small animals, but she was also the protector of small animals. It's kind of like saying, you're a vegetarian, but I eat chicken. You're going to have to decide, okay? Um, And so people would travel for hundreds of miles to worship her and to make sacrifices to her and to visit her temple. The temple was called back then in the ancient world, it was called one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There was the Temple of Artemis. There was the uh, Great Pyramid of Giza. There was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, uh, uh, Colossus of Rhodes. There was the Lighthouse of Alexandria, uh, the Mausoleum of Halcaris, and there was the Statue of Zeus at Olympia. And then most recently, I discovered the eighth wonder of the world, Chick-fil-A in Pleasanton. (laughs) Amazing. Come on. Do I get an amen? That's what I'm talking about. That's the only thing you people amen is Chick-fil-A. What's that say about you? So this temple is the focal point of the whole city. It's the size of a soccer field. Not only did everything revolve around Artemis, but they believed she controlled the air around them. The heavenlies were filled with minions, with little gods, goddesses, evil spirits, demons, and they lived in fear of them. And so the belief system of that structure was basically this. If you don't obey this God, if you get out of line, if you don't worship God correctly, if anything bad happens in your life, if there's an earthquake, a fire, or flood, or anything like that, you are angry if something of this goddess. And the gods must be angry if something bad happens in your life. God is not for you. God is against you because you're not doing it right. Now, you can imagine the people lived in this constant fear of trying to please Artemis. And so Paul starts this letter with this riveting statement to them. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms. Now, for the first time, it's like it's a mind blower, like, They've never considered in the heavenly realms that there could be a heavenly father and the Lord Jesus Christ and that they could have a presence in the heavenly realms over your life. So he's declaring that God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has actually blessed you in the very heavenlies that you right now fear because of the demonic forces. He's saying you are actually, as a follower of Jesus Christ, Your reality is different. You are surrounded by the presence of God in the heavenlies. The word Lord, referring in the Old Testament to the Lord of hosts, is the commander of all the angelic beings of heaven are for you. So therefore, you do not need to be afraid that God is with you and he is for you. Artemis gives you hate and fear. Yahweh gives you grace and peace. God is not angry with you. God is for you. And there are forces of darkness that are constantly trying to distort our image and belief of who God is to us, that you need to fear him in an unhealthy way. And yes, they do. These demonic forces, do they undermine your relationships? Absolutely. They come in voices to you. You know, be unfaithful to him. Be unfaithful to her. Everybody else is doing it. Why don't you just do it? They come in all different shapes and sizes, and they break down our marriage. They break down family, families that don't even speak to each other for six years, 10 years. What's up with that? 
What is the force behind that kind of anger, that kind of offense? And so these powers of darkness are real, and the Bible teaches us that they come to steal from you, kill, and destroy. They come to take things from you. They come to take the good life from you. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so Paul begins this letter with stating the truth. The heavenlies do exist. Darkness does exist. But praise God who has blessed you in the heavenlies. You can have hope. You can win. You may feel like all hell has broken loose against your family. Guess what? If you feel that way, it has. You may feel broken. You may feel like things are just kind of unraveling. Or you may feel like, you know, that, that there's, there's so much to your success. You've got to keep all the success going that you're experiencing. It's all on you to keep up the success and level of success. And you feel this underlying pressure to continue to be successful. Think about the things in your life that are seemingly making no sense right now. Some moments in your life, maybe in the past, that were, were so painful to you. Maybe some things in your life that have been really hard to bear. Things that you're going through right now. Things that are frightening. Things that you maybe have uncertainty over. Listen, there is a very real God. And the Bible says he has known you since your mother's womb. That he actually shaped you and formed you in, in, in your mother's womb. And therefore he knows your weakness and he knows your struggles. He knows everything about you. Most people live with their public life and their private life. Most people go between two different lives that they struggle with, and rarely do the two become one in Christ. Most people are living with the struggles of, here's who I'm projecting who I am, and here's who I really am. And there's nothing about you that God doesn't know. And he wants to know you. And he wants to love you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants then you and I to really love one another. To really create a safe place and a community of believers together. And so the purpose, the overall purpose of Ephesians is that you would be encouraged and united together. That we would be united together in love. And that we would understand the mystery of God in Christ. That word mystery that we'll see in a a few more chapters and verses, mystery means secret. The secrets of the super rich are those who have learned what it means to live in and to and for Christ. And there's at least seven blessings that I want to talk about over this Sunday and next Sunday. I'm just going to talk about just two of them today. But blessings of the super rich. You can write this in your notes. Number one, write these words. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. When you choose to follow Jesus Christ and you, re- you receive access to every spiritual blessing, every means all, unlimited, every one, every single one. You receive all of Christ all of God into your being. Now, if I go through the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A, do I hear an amen? amen. If I go through the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A and I say, I want, I want one of everything. That's what every spiritual blessing means. I get everything that God has to offer in Christ. I don't think you heard me. If I go through the drive-thru at In-N-Out, In-N-Out, 
Do I hear an amen? Any, come on. You know you go there. I've seen you. And you go up to that menu of in and out you go, I, you don't just go, I got one or two. You go, I want one, two, and three. I want one of everything, everything. It's like you get, you get everything. So when you receive Christ, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, those that were baptized last Sunday here, baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes inside, indwells your life, and now you have every spiritual blessing available to you. I now have access to everything on the menu. I'm a partaker of the divine nature of God. When Jesus goes through Chick-fil-A drive-thru with me, which he does on a regular basis, and they see Jesus, they say, oh, what would you like? I said, I'll have everything. I can have everything. Jesus is with me. I have access to every spiritual blessing. What does that mean? It means all of God's character and all of God's power are available to you. All of his grace for everything that you need. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter that every tribulation, it says manifold difficulties that you experience in this life. Manifold means many different sizes. And then it says you receive the grace of God, the manifold grace of God. It's like, the, it's like all five fingers are different sizes. You've got a trouble, a tribulation, and it's this size. You've got a big deal at this size. You've got all these different sizes of things that you're dealing with in your life this morning, the manifold grace, the many sizes of God's grace comes and God gives you grace for everything you're dealing with in your life. You have all of God's grace available to you. You have all of God's peace to you. Well, I'm full of anxiety. That's your choice, but peace is available to you. You have all of God's love. I'm having a hard time loving them. I know I need to tap into God's love and love them the way God loves them. I need wisdom. I have all of God's wisdom. I need God's power to heal. I need God's ability. All of the spiritual gifts that are listed throughout scripture, eternal life, all of it is available to you. So now you are full of a truth of grace and peace and power, and that is your authority in Christ Jesus. Christ in you makes you super rich. And so the secrets of the super rich is they know who they are, They know who God is, Yahweh, and what they're to do together. They have a sense of mission here in the San Ramon Valley, in this region that we live in. Paul said, I urge you not, he says, I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Meaning you can have access to all of this, meaning you can have everything, but not access anything. You can have everything and not access anything. I just got saved. I accepted Jesus one Easter, and now I go to church every now and then, and I'm a follower of Jesus. Big deal. There's a lot more to life than that. There's a lot more to following Jesus to that. You have to learn to access everything that's yours in the heavenlies. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. So what prayer does is prayer transports what's true in heaven here on earth. Jesus preached the kingdom of God has come. A couple Sundays ago, we had, uh, I think it was 13 or 14 documented healings, documented, written down. This was the illness. This was the situation. This was God's healing, actual documented healings. That's the kingdom of God manifested in healing. 
But here's the thing, as a follower of Jesus, you hear voices all day long. And if you're not careful, you're just driving down the road and you're listening to all those voices. You hear voices like, well, what if my marriage doesn't make it? I just don't feel like I love him anymore. I don't feel like I love her anymore. Uh, what if I can't get a job? I'll never be healed. What if, I, what if they find out who I am? I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. My life is, man, my life's just all messed up. This is the end. It's over for me. And in these next 11 verses, 3 through 14, Paul is going to read off the drive through menu to us, and he's going to tell you how super rich you are when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the first thing you need to know is that you have access to everything, everything. God lives inside of you, and what was not possible is now possible. The impossible is now possible in God. Secondly, write this down. Your blessing is that God has adopted me. God has adopted me. He says this, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world in love. He predestined, that means he predetermined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Our Father has predestined us for adoption. This is huge. In Ephesus, one of the byproducts of the worship of Artemis was that it literally tore families apart. Girls at age 12 or 13 were literally taken from their homes in Ephesus and forced to serve in prostitution for an entire year in the temple of Artemis. Temple prostitution was the central, it was central to the worship of Artemis. And then the unwanted pregnancies of these precious little girls, the little babies were aborted or the babies were born and they would take them up to a hill and throw them off the hill. During the first century in which Paul wrote this letter to Ephesus, 61% estimated of all the children by the age of 25 had lost their father in one way or another, either by abandonment or died through war or other causes. That's six out of 10 that were fatherless. America's being called a fatherless generation right now. In addition, when people became followers of Jesus Christ, in many cases, their father would disown them and cut them off because they worshiped the goddess of Artemis. What do you mean you're worshiping Jesus Christ? And so these families in Ephesus were, were fractured and divided and broken And so you can just begin to imagine the impact of Paul's words when he says to a group of Christians, most of which whom did not have a father, most of which came from a broken home, these words were revolutionary because in every sentence, you're going to see this over the next two weeks, these 14 verses are all saturated in a language of family, a language of family. When they read this, when these young people, when they read these words, this language of family, it was something that they had longed for in their heart. And when Paul wrote that you've been given every spiritual blessing, when they didn't feel blessed, it meant that you've received every blessing, that you actually have the favor of Father God. The Father's blessing throughout every century is something that every child longs for. You see, what a father says or doesn't say to his or her child is how a child determines their value and worth. 
And that child will grow up spending the rest of their life trying to fill in the blank of what father should have said or didn't say to give value or worth. And much of the anger today stems from angry young men and women who've longed to be loved and be accepted and valued, and they've been rejected by their father. They've been abandoned by their father, some, in some cases by their mother in some way. There's, a, there's an incredible story when Esau uh, heard that his, he, he, he went to receive his blessing. He was the oldest son, and he was to receive his father's blessing. But Jacob, his younger brother, had already went in and cheated him out of his blessing. And you can just feel the anguish in his cry when he says these words in Genesis 27. He says, oh, my father, bless me too. Bless me too. This same cry, this unfulfilled longing is being heard today by many who are searching for their family's blessing. Men and women whose parents, for whatever reason, have failed to bless them with words of love and acceptance. What Paul states here in Ephesians is really radical because originally in biblical times, once a father gave his blessing, there's two characteristics. It was irrevocable once a father gave the blessing. That's why Esau cried out because the blessing had already been given to Jacob. Once the father gave the blessing to whatever child he gave the blessing to, it was irrevocable. Secondly, it can only pass down through a family's bloodline, only through natural means of inheritance. And so fathers, while they were on their deathbeds, would gather their children around, and they would speak blessing over each child, and the blessings would be different for each. Paul says, through your acceptance of Jesus Christ, regardless of your family system, regardless of where you came from, regardless of what you had or didn't have, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, Father God becomes your father, and he gives you an irrevocable blessing that is now passed down to you spiritually. You have a good, good father. You are adopted, and he has fully given himself to you. Every blessing is yours. You want to be connected? You want to network with the right person? Network with Yahweh. You want to have favor and blessing in your life? You want to have unexplainable circumstances and all manner of unforeseen things come your way and direction in life? It is the blessing of your heavenly Father. And when you become more aware of it and in tune to it, you receive more of it. You are super rich. And your Father is speaking blessing over you today. Paul says, God offers you a sonship. And this goes way beyond male or female gender. This is a spiritual reality to all of us. This is the highest possible position in culture or time. Whether you're male or female, it no longer matters. You are adopted, you are honored, and you are highly favored, and you are in the family of God. And the same love that he has for his son, he has for you. And so he says here in verse 5, Ephesians 1, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He doesn't bless you reluctantly. He doesn't want to be in your life reluctantly. It's his pleasure and will. And then he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one, capital O, one he loves, Jesus. Literally the word here is beloved or dearly loved ones. It's the same exact language. What he's speaking over you today is the same language he used when a voice came from heaven at Jesus' baptism and said, you are my dearly loved son. You are my dearly loved or beloved son. 
and you bring me great joy. God is speaking those same words over you today, and he's saying this. It's an unfailing love with no strings attached. He's saying, you, you bring your heavenly Father great joy, and you are fully delighted in, and God says, I am bursting at the seams in love with you. You get that revelation, regardless of who your father was or wasn't, or mother was or wasn't, or earthly family was or wasn't, and it will change your sense of security and confidence as a child of God. Whatever your father-daughter relationship was, whatever your father-son relationship was, no matter how good or how bad, it pales to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being fully loved, fully accepted, fully adopted. Now, I know that many of you have grown up in homes where you didn't receive that affirmation from a father. You, uh, you know, one day maybe you felt blessed by your dad's words, and the next day you felt cursed by your dad's words. And, uh, and you never knew, uh, or maybe you never knew your father. Maybe you never had a father. And when things got hard, maybe your dad blamed you when things got hard in his life. He couldn't, he was trying to cope. He was trying to cope like a lot of people are today. And maybe, maybe the stress was spewed out onto you or your father was there or he wasn't there emotionally or spiritually or physically. Your dad may have been okay. There's a lot of okay dads, but you've never been blessed by your dad. You haven't been spoken over the father's blessing by your dad, at least not in the way that you would like it to be. Or maybe you've, you've just heard words of criticism. Maybe they're not actually speaking words of criticism, but it's the way you hear their words. And maybe you've never had a father. But today, regardless of what your family system is, regardless of what your family gave you or took from you, you now have received in Christ every spiritual blessing. You've been adopted by a heavenly father who absolutely favors you. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. Look at any person who is fully devoted follower of Jesus, and there's something you'll see on them. You'll see that they're favored. Anyone who's really sold out, I mean, really going for this thing, really seeking Jesus, not just sitting on a, in a chair and that's it, but they're really engaged in this thing. You will see favor on their life wherever they go. You, it's just, you may not have described it that way. You may not have been able to put it in words, but you look at their life and you go, wow, there's just, there's just favor on them. Why is that? Romans 8, verse 14 and 15, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You are invited into this incredible adventure of learning how to hear God's voice and learning how to obey him. And then he says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you've received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Psychologists tell us that children who do not have a healthy father relationship are prone to fear and insecurity. When you have a healthy relationship, you can be more free and more open to trust. Paul is saying, because God is our father, we cry Abba, Father. That word Abba in the Aramaic is daddy, dad. God is not only your father, he's your dad. Now, I have lots of sons and daughters in the faith, and, and a lot of them call me Pastor Dad. That's what they call me. That's my nickname, Pastor Dad. And uh, I've lived long enough that I get to be a lot of people's dad <laughs> and pastor. 
And, uh, but the reason I'm pastor dad to them is they chose to open their heart to me as their pastor and a dad figure in their life. And so I'm pastor dad to them because they chose me. You have access to Father God, and if you let him in, he'll be there for you. A lot of people believe in God as the Father, but in their daily relationship, he's not yet just become dad. A dad is someone you can just sit with and talk or not talk or do nothing at all. You're just with dad. You're just hanging out with dad. There's no expectation. There's no performance needed. You're just hanging out with dad, and it's great to be with dad. You never get the full benefit of a relationship until you fully receive the relationship. I'm not your pastor until you let me be. God is not a distant father. He's your dad. That changes your prayer life. That changes about how you engage with him on an everyday basis in your everyday world that you're living. You've got this access. You can be in the middle of a meeting and you don't know what to do. You can step out and act like you're going to the restroom and talk to dad. What do I say in there? I don't know what to do. And he can give you wisdom. You have a dad. I don't know, I don't know what to do next in my life. I don't know what school to go to. You have a dad. Religion teaches us to fear God. Religion sucks. It's like the goddess Artemis. You, you, you can't get close. You're, you're, you're fearful that, you're, that you know, God's going to judge your crops, your, your resources. You're, you're going to experience a flood. You're going to have an earthquake. God's going to judge you. He's harsh, all because you're not doing things the right way. You just, you just need to do more. That's what religion says. You need to drink more spinach smoothies, you know? And then God says, I'll love you more. But God says today, you're enough, and you have my favor. I want to end with a, an incredible story of, about the Father's love, and I could tell you a lot of stories, but, but this one came to mind last night, and it's about a wealthy farmer who owned a vineyard, and he decided to hire some laborers uh, early one morning, and so he, he went into town, and he found some workers, and uh, we don't even know that he even needed them, but he wanted to hire them. He saw some standing around, and so he found them, and he said, I'll, I'll pay you this amount, one denarius for the whole day. And so the workers agreed. It was great. They got a job. So later, the wealthy owner of this vineyard goes into town again, and it's 9 a.m. in the morning, and he saw some other people standing around. And so he offered them as work as well. And then he goes again. He goes around noontime and around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's some teenagers who finally got up. He says, hey, would you like to work? (laughs) And, And they got hired too. I mean, it's just amazing. And so when evening came, they even hired people at five o'clock at the end of the day, five o'clock. And so when the evening came, the owner calls all the workers together to pay them. And he begins with the last ones hired at five o'clock. And he starts with them and goes all the way backwards to the ones that had worked the earliest and began the earliest. So he starts with them and he gives them all the same amount of money. So those who were working earlier in the morning, they expected to get more than those who started working at 5 o'clock. In fact, in Matthew 20, here's what they said. These men were hired last, uh, hired last, worked only one hour. 
They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for one Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or, here's the key, or are you envious because I am generous? Or are you envious because I am generous? Your heavenly father is super rich and super generous. And your dad is extravagantly generous. And his love is beyond what is actually reasonable. In fact, it's unfair. Fair would have been to pay different amounts according to each worker and the amount of times they work. Some of you, you came to Christ a week ago, two weeks ago, some a year ago, some 10 years ago. I came to Christ over 45 years ago. I began following Jesus at age eight. Do you know what that means when you become a follower of Jesus at age eight and you actually follow him your whole life? What that means is there are sins that you got to commit that I never got to. You get the same pay. You are all loved by Daddy God. He loves every one of you. The one that just came in from a wild night last night and whatever it was you were doing. We all get the same pay. He says, praise to God our Father who has given us every spiritual blessing, who's adopted us as his very own, and that we've all been adopted by the same Father, the same Dad, and he wants to extravagantly, generously bless you. So I can come to work at 5 p.m. and work for only one hour, and God loves me just as much as the person who started really early in the morning. Well then, why am I working 14 hours a day? I don't know. Why are you doing that? Think about it. Is not a neglect in loving ourselves the true source of most of our sin? The secular media always reduces sin to some kind of thing you can or cannot do and misses the whole point of why am I doing it in the first place? Why would I sleep with a whole bunch of people I don't even know in the first place? Why would I drink myself silly in the first place? Why would I do all these different things that are not good for me in the first place? Because I lack an ability to truly love myself. Every sin that I commit, I can trace back to my lack of love for myself my lack of dignity for myself, my lack of worth and value that I see in myself. It's always all of these efforts of my own to cope in life. And God says, I love you as you are, not as you should be. Because nobody in this room is as they should be. You should is possibly the most damaging word in the human language especially when we use it on other people or ourselves. You know, when, you, when one spouse says to their spouse, you should, you should have this, you should have that, or you, you say it to your children, you should have this, or you should have that. Father God loves me as I am, not as I should be. So don't should on yourself. 
You won't get this anywhere on Sunday. I'm just telling you, there's a reason we're called brave. So repeat out loud after me. I will not. I said, I will not. What, 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 what? Repeat after me. I will not. Shit on myself. All right, cool. You want to do it again, don't you? I will not. Shit on myself. And here's what Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinning in the middle of the act, he chose us and loved us. It doesn't get any worse than that. You cannot wait until you clean up your life to begin following Jesus. You have no power to clean up your life without Jesus. So if you're thinking, man, I really respect God and Jesus, and I respect my son or daughter or friend over here that's a Christian, and so I just really need to kind of clean up my act, and then I would really like to do this thing called following Jesus. You can't do it on your own. You'll never be able to clean up your act on your own. You can wait a long time if that's your criteria. Because I can't get holy enough. I can't get pure enough. I can't start early enough in the morning to make it work out for me on my own strength. And so for the people and the children of Ephesus to hear that a father wants them, that a father loves them, and that a father wants to adopt them, all these children who had no inheritance, no natural inheritance of any kind, And he says, I want to give you every blessing. This was revolutionary, and it still is today, that there is a love that loves you as you are, not as you should be. How could your relationship with God change if you began to receive your father's love and favor? What would happen if you began to see him as dad, no matter what age you are in this room? The secret is you're super rich when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And that begins a great adventure that only you can learn how to access all of those riches. And that's what we're talking about in these weeks ahead. Would you bow your heads? And if you wouldn't mind just to, just to close your eyes in reverence to those that are around you, I just wonder if there's anyone here today that you say, you know what, I want that relationship. I, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd like to to make that decision in this moment. There's something in my heart that says I resonate with this. I need this in my life. I'm not gonna have you stand. I'm not gonna have you come forward, but just right where you're sitting, just raise your hand between you and God and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. That's great. Go ahead, just respond to him. Say, "I I wanna start today. I wanna begin to follow Jesus. Thank you. That's great. Go ahead, just respond right where you're at. Don't be embarrassed. Just respond to him. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Just respond to him. Thank you. That's fantastic. It's just between you and him. That's what matters. Amen. That's wonderful. I want to pray for all of you that raised your hands and for our church family. And you can make this prayer your own if you raise your hand today. Dear Father in heaven, I've not known you as my father in heaven. I've not known you as my my spiritual dad, but I so want to through your son, Jesus Christ. I I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and, man, everything up to this point in my life. I've not known how to love myself in the way that I need to love myself. I've got brokenness and all kinds of issues. I'm goofed, but, 
but I see your love and I see that it's here for me. I see that there's, there's blessing available and there's favor available and, and I just need that. And so Lord, I just ask you to come into my heart today and I, I just ask you for forgiveness of all my sins and I choose today to begin to follow you as my Lord and Savior. And I wanna pray for all of you that are followers of Jesus. I pray that you would learn to access everything, every spiritual blessing, everything that daddy has for you, that you would learn to sit with dad every day. You'd learn to open up your word, not out of duty, out of relationship. You'd learn to open that Bible and and read the pages and journal and talk and have relationship with your dad. And just fall in love with him, experience him. Open up your heart on a daily basis to this beautiful relationship that will change everything in the heavenlies and in your daily life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.